inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. Outlook. Radio Western. Good morning. You are listening to Outlook, and I'm here with Brian, my brother. Good morning. Good morning. Well, we're actually recording this, though, not in the morning. It is. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I, I always feel. Touche. Do you want to pretend it's Monday morning, or should we, should we. Uh, no, no. Should we be honest with our listeners and tell them that we are back to pre-records for the time being. It is 2022. I guess, Happy New Year. All of uh, the listeners out there to Outlook, welcome back. Yep. We've, uh, we've made it, though we're not back in the studio. Nope. We ended the 2021 season or year, I guess, uh, in studio for the last three months of the year, wasn't it? And uh, here we are again, back at home. Yeah. So we did our, our year-end wrap-up on December 20th, and... Uh, that was in the studio, but that's the last time I've been there. I did a Christmas show on the Friday there for, for my music show, Chin Music, on Christmas Eve. But that, I was already back at your house for the, for the Christmas break there. So I pre-recorded that from, uh, from your place. And then, yeah, now that switch into the new year, we're back to pre-records. Just because if, if you've been uh, paying attention at all the last few weeks, you probably know why. Well, I would say, I would think that the students listening on Radio Western this morning, if if they're tuning in here live, that they d- definitely know. And anyone else? Well, we're gonna we're yeah. I guess gonna... depending if you're listening around the world, because other so many areas are different right now with with COVID, right? With the restrictions right. and what's happening wherever you are, and if if it's different countries, like it's it's all over the place, kind of. So it's hard to know for sure. Yeah. But... No, I'm talking locally, like for students on. Um, at, Re- at Western University, I mean specifically, but they will understand because they're at home doing schooling online, which I'm sure students are, most of you aren't thrilled about. And we all know we're all tired of this pandemic and it's January, bit of a sluggish month. So. Yeah, we're all, we're all having to give up some, some things that, uh, that help us out or get us through the day is, you know, for me, it's just getting out and doing this show and uh, chin music being back in the studio again since October. It's it's just interesting how like when I when I had to leave during the, at the pandemic and it started, I was got pretty used to the pre records and yeah, you weren't like, sure you you weren't sure about going back live. Almost you you like some of the features of being doing it from home in a way, yeah. Um, but then once you go back, it's it's like oh now you get used to that, and then it's so it's it's this this roller coaster I think that a lot of people have been going through where it's we're locked down and then we're opened up again and then we're locked down again. And it, it is, it's yeah. difficult for sure. But at the same point, things are quite bad right now. And, you know, Carrie and I have talked on the show a bunch before how we've both received kidney transplants. And uh, so our immune systems are compromised and, and it's just, it's. It's frustrating not knowing how much for me, I find just because I feel like I'm just. Yeah, that's just it. I mean, at least they have stats for, for the, average person you know because they've been able to do yeah. research but for people with with transplants like us we actually are part of a study that we've mentioned on the show but that's still in 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 uh in, in the, the works in the works so 
they still don't have that much data on transplant recipients and the uh, efficacy of the vaccines for us. So we did we did get a um, a letter from our uh, nephrology from the nephrology clinic from our from our kidney uh, clinic there at the hospital here in London recently about us um, being available for our fourth dose, but they still aren't (laughs) set up to to give it yet. So so I don't know when we'll actually get get our fourth dose. And then I heard some reports of in the UK, they were saying they recommend people over 80 in nursing homes don't get a fourth dose. Yeah, well, they're not rushing the fourth dose. They're still in the middle of getting a lot of people their boosters, which we had back in September. We got ours early. But that's just it. We got our booster like three or so months before a lot of people. So especially if our if the efficacy for us isn't as good because of our the meds we're on yeah. and our transplants that's already you know coming up on 4 months ago that I had mine yeah um because it was early september so that's probably wearing off and who knows so it's and then again it's also just the just hearing about hospitals being so full and i think i heard one near niagara falls had to close i think i heard just yeah. short staffed and just for us you know i've been in the ICU, you've been in the ICU a few times and it's just having those close experiences is almost like I can I can relate even more to to a hospital experience and, and knowing how how amazing the nurses and everyone is there, but just imagining everything they have to go through. It's so, you know, anything that, that we can do as individuals to help, including not going into the studio and having, you know, so many people going in there, I respect that. And even though I'm not thrilled to to be back to doing these from home again at the same point. It's all about adapting and and uh it is what it is, so, you know. Listen, I I've said before on the show and I'll say it elsewhere that I I consider myself a pacifist. There's some pacifists in our family and in, in our ancestors. I I don't believe in war. I think man, men humankind causes wars whereas something like a pandemic, you know, that's often a lot about nature and how we're treating the environment. And I think uh, as far as wars go, we aren't living through a world war. We don't know what that's like. I've been watching some documentaries um, recently and just a lot in my past about that time. And we've had, we had family living through that. And so I consider this our world war. And if we have to go through it, like I said, if you were born in the early 20th century, you probably lived through World War I, the Spanish flu, uh, the Depression and World War II, <laughs> you live through all of that, right? In one lifetime. So can we handle this? I mean, it's trying and it's frustrating. And I I almost think I'm a hypochondriac sometimes because right now I feel like, do I have a scratchy throat? I don't see many people, but I've seen a few people with some limited exposure because you kind of have to live your life at a certain point with this new variant, especially. And so I'm now I'm thinking maybe I have it, but hopefully it's more mild with this Omicron. And if I have it, well, maybe it'll be more like a cold and it won't affect my lungs. <laughs> I don't know. Not that you don't have it, but I just, I don't know. I'd be surprised if you do, because you have been really isolating. And we have we have a bit of a, a story about our, our holiday break um, that yeah. things kind of turned around in not, not the best way. But um, it's just, it is that time where it's this new variant. You're hearing so much about it and it's so contagious that... Yeah. You do get the the sort of the um, hypochondriac or the the placebo feeling sometimes, and where you think, "Oh, I might have it," or maybe I do. And sometimes it's just you think about it so much. It's not that you don't, but it's it's that time, right, where we're you're hearing well, about not, it so much. And I'm not jumping to rush to emerge. I I feel okay. I just I feel a little bit ugh, this weekend, so I'm just letting it happen. And if it, if it's if it's a problem, it, I'm sure it'll 
the newer show itself or well i don't know again we're not gonna focus the whole show on it it's just no it's just again i just again as as outlook we we recommend and we really do hope everyone listening goes out and gets vaccinated get get your third shots get your boosters now that they are available for booking and and just take this seriously you know we all work together it's just i've heard so many times now about icus and they say that you know the people that are in the icu are unvaccinated generally speaking and and that to me is just it's just it's frustrating because you know we don't want to get angry with each other we want to be yeah, open know. with with everyone but at the same point if i've had kidney transplants and if if i were on the waiting list right now and i was you know there was a kidney that came up that would work for me but they said we can't give it to you because somebody who well, isn't, you, 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 you somebody know what it's who, like let me finish somebody who isn't vaccinated is taking up a hospital bed when they could have got vaccinated and that would have helped and now i can't get my kidney i would be frustrated well there are a lot of people out there who are experiencing that with whether it's cancer treatments and yeah, surgeries and or that's just it I'm, or, I'm lucky that i'm not i'm not in that I've, situation I've, right I've, now but I've walked into a room and seen you on a ventilator before. And so I don't understand why anybody would take that risk if there's anything they can possibly do. But yeah, I mean, you can get as frustrated as you want of people, but it's, it's not going to yeah, help. And it doesn't, it causes more division. And the, the thing is, a lot of times it is just people do get misled and, and it, it's just, it's, it's a deeper, it's, it's like most things in life. It's never absolute. It's never this simple reason why people believe certain things the way they do. It's, it, it it all stems from things, in my opinion, and and past experiences and trust and all these things that that are concerns. And it's it's tough. It's tough to. It's a tough time for for all of us. But well, I believe the CDC in the U.S. Uh, they said something recently about oh well now it's mostly people with like three or four comorbid morbidities, which is other conditions that it's getting at. It's just it's well, like what we've been hearing through the whole thing. It's just. The elderly, it's just people who are... Well, the problem is that, yeah, I mean, even from the get-go of the pandemic, there was a lot of talk about, oh, they should just, you know, isolate the vulnerable people and everyone else should just go on and live their lives. And that's, that's the problem that, that that's, I struggle with, where it's like, I've had these, this kidney transplant and I am on meds, so my immune system is compromised. But at the same point, I feel healthy for the most part and really good. But at the same point, I am vulnerable and it sort of does... That causes a problem too, I think, because it's it sort of makes it in the population like, oh, if you're vulnerable, then yeah, you have to worry, but everyone else is fine. And it's sort of, again, whereas I think it, the opposite is there are more vulnerable people out there than you realize. And when it's a pandemic that this mm -hmm. is, it's this major, we all have to work together. We can't just sort of separate out and say, you know, just hide the vulnerable people away. That's not going to get us anywhere as a society either. So, Well, I have a friend who's a doctor and, uh, you know, she just, her mother's a nurse and she just said that if we're going to look at this as like a world war, you know, those in the hospitals, they are the frontline workers. They are the soldiers who in a world war were going over to fight and the rest would, would have been, would have been us staying behind and, and you still, you know, you still deal with war, but you're not seeing it up close. So it's easy for people who aren't in those hospitals, who aren't seeing it to uh, tell themselves it's not that bad. Well, that's just, and I just these poor, poor people doing all this work, including our mother who works at a group home and our father who drives cab for people. And, you know, those are s technically, you know, essential things. And, uh, well, I just so don't you know. I can hide out, but I don't know how much people, how much they actually show on the news of in the ICUs or in the hospitals where things are actually going on. But 
But that is a yeah. big part of it is that with the war, people see the people, you know, would hear about bombs and guns where that's a very tangible thing they can they can see. Whereas when it's an, a virus that you can't see technically, even though they are, you know, showing sharing all this information and they're talking about ICUs and all this. People can't see it. They almost, yeah, they, it, they minimize that, I think. And it, that is a big yeah. part of it, that it's an invisible threat in a way. Yep. So people don't always, it's, it's easier to pe- for people to, and again, it's, this will tie into kind of our situation. If it doesn't directly affect you too, it makes it hard to. Well, we say that all the time with like, disability, which is what this show's about, right? If you don't live with blindness or any other disabilities, you don't think about it. Just like we don't think about things that we don't live with, so. Yeah, so so anyway, we we don't want to, you know, sit here and get be all negative all day about this stuff. It's just so the show kind of started off on a on a bit of a serious note there. But for anyone who is just tuned in, you're listening to Outlook here on Radio Western, and uh, welcome to 2022. Happy mm-hmm. New Year! And we are two blind siblings. That's the one thing we still want to add into our theme. And I just wanted to mention again, if anyone is listening for the first time, that uh, we're both blind and we are brother and sister. Carrie is three years older than me, and mm-hmm. I was born in 87, so I'm about to be, I'll be 35 this year. So, which is, so do know. the math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I turned 38 in a matter of weeks. Yeah, less, uh, less than a month now. Or and no. I'm just, I'm, feel, I'm feeling my age. Actually, the well, day this is airing, month, it's exactly more. a month from, from the oh, day yeah. this is airing, because this will be airing on the 10th of January. Right. But anyhow, we're getting old. Yeah. <laughs> That's a matter of perspective, but compared to when I was, you know, moved to Toronto at the first time when I was 19, I feel old now. Yeah. Compared but we're going into our fourth, fourth sort of year of Outlook, I guess, technically, aren't we? Yeah, we'll be celebrating our, our uh, fourth anniversary in September of 2022 here. <laughs> a few months mm-hmm. still. We just recently celebrated our third. But yeah, it's, time really is flying. And it's just with these last few years of the pandemic, I mean, we say this all the time that time seems to blend together, but especially the last few years, sometimes I'm like, wait, 2020 or no, 2021, like, yeah. seems like ever since what 2020, it really blends together. What year are we in? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. yeah, so we can talk about our Christmas briefly, but then we should probably just move on. Yeah. So, so Christmas was an interesting time. I mean, so I was really excited in December because my friend Will was coming back. And again, I think I heard he was coming back probably before i'd heard about Om- omicron maybe yeah. like a week or so before i'd really heard about omicron because it was just on the cusp at the beginning of december i think that he had booked his flight and said he was coming back and he i grew up with him he was originally from here and he moved uh to england at least 10 years ago now i guess and uh we haven't been able to practice at christmas for a while we like to jam and so i was so happy he was coming back this year and we did get two jams in at, at your house carrie um thanks again for letting us use your basement um no problem we have two songs down and we have a bunch of other parts and we had some fun jams and we had planned to jam two more times the week right before christmas so i came back monday the 20th right after we did our 2021 outlook wrap-up show in the studio by the way carrie you sound a lot more awake today you were i think the end of the year we were both (laughs) pretty tired but yeah, it was the end of the year, and I had just I was done. I needed a couple of weeks to just de-stress a little bit. Yeah, well, same here. Oh, speaking but it of was that, my last time. It was my last time in studio, and I kind of wish I been more awake for it. Well, are you glad you at least made it for that day, for the last yeah. day? 
Um, that was actually, you were also there a couple days before that for my music show when you mm-hmm. guested on it. So that was, that was cool. But, oh yeah, one other thing during the break, the last two weeks, I should actually at least quickly mention that though we weren't live per se, they were brand new episodes the last two weeks. If you didn't get a chance to look, listen to them, check out the podcast feed. Just search for Outlook on Radio Western on all podcast services. But it was a two-part interview, Carrie, that you did with Leona Godin, an author that we talked about a lot last year. We had her on. We were talking about her book, Their Plant Eyes, A Personal and Cultural History of Blindness. But you did a great, uh, had a great discussion with her back in the summer of 2021 over Zoom for an article that you an interview that you had published in uh, online literary journal, The Rumpus. Um, so you did this sort of an informal chat just to ask her a bunch of info for the interview, but, or for the, uh, yeah, for the article. But I thought it turned mm-hmm. out so well, we decided to air it for the last two weeks. So it was a nice, I thought it worked really well for our two w- weeks over the holidays. Yeah. So we didn't have to record a new episode, but we still released new content the last couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to throw that in there. Go check it out. Yeah, 2021 was definitely the year of their plant eyes. But like we said, that that book will always be our tome. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. We'll definitely be referring back to it um, throughout the show for years to come. But we are going to move move along a little bit this year to to different things. Um, mm-hmm. But there is a whole there's a whole bunch in there, including a chapter on Louis Braille, and that sort of does t- take back, uh, re- re- you know, so come back to where we are this this month here in January, which we are going to get to, I think in the second half of today's show and possibly in a, in an upcoming episode, we True. may re-air, we, we may re-air about Braille. Yes, it is Braille Literacy Month currently in January. So yeah. happy Braille Literacy Month and World Braille Day was back on Tuesday, January the 4th of this year. That's also Louis Braille's, Louis Braille's birthday. Yeah, That's correct. Yeah. So we will be getting into that as well. But so yeah, let's get getting back to the to December 20th and actually it's interesting too on December 17th Carrie remember we went and we went out to a restaurant with our dad (laughs) after you came on my show and that was our last time inside anywhere and that was one of the things during the pandemic I like going out to restaurants but I didn't you know I didn't miss it that much no I'm okay it's something I can do without um but it is interesting that we had one more time in a restaurant there in December before that all closed down but I know. I got to see my friend, my writing circle friends from the library, my writing group um, at a restaurant early December, right before Omicron. So that was good. Um, Yeah, it's always that balance of getting out, but still being cautious. Um, But anyway, I came back on that Monday back to Woodstock and I was ready to to jam again with my friend and uh, another friend from Woodstock here, Ontario. Um, But then that Monday night, I got a I got a text from my friend that both of his parents tested positive for COVID and this is when Om- Omicron was really starting to spread. Um, so then, of course, just, you know, we, we canceled the, the, the jams. I'm just thankful we even got a couple in. And even if we had none, you know, it is what it is during these times. But I'm glad we got a couple in. But then again, that week, too, I was feeling a little off after that. And then I had seen my friend the week before and his, his parents briefly when, uh, when his dad came to pick him up. So I was like, you know, I should get tested just in case. And luckily, Carrie, you mentioned our mom, um, through her work, um, she was able to get uh, five or, yeah, some rapid tests. Mm-hmm. So I was able to do one of those, but it came back negative. <laughs> but then, uh, but then Carrie, what happened? So on Christmas Eve. Yeah, we were all set to go to see our, to our parents' house. Uh, 
We weren't going to do Christmas with our older brother and his family this year, who's in Toronto. Uh, but we were going to see family locally, which you sort of had some um, misgivings about anyway. And then we got that call on Christmas Eve that our mother had had a scratchy throat. She retested after having one negative test at least, and it said it was positive on Christmas Eve. So Merry Christmas to her and us. And so we did nothing really on Christmas other than listen to your 25-hour radio marathon that you listen to every Christmas day. Christmas Eve, oh, Christmas you almost made it. You made it almost made it sound like I was the host of the marathon that twenty five hours. Oh no, you listened to and it. I said mine. Yeah, no, oh. I listened to it. Yeah, so I had we listened to my Christmas show first on the Friday, and we were having a great time trying to sort of get in that spirit, <laughs> and all, everything was great. And then pretty much right after my show ended on the Friday, uh, on Christmas Eve, there, then we found out our mom tested positive. So, so yeah, we we canceled all the plans, which we like you had already mentioned there. We'd already scaled them down. Um, mm-hmm. obviously not having our brother and family travel all the way from Scarborough, but then, yeah, so we put that on hold. But like you said, this, this 25 hour radio show, which I've mentioned a bunch here on Outlook, but it is a, a big tradition for me. And it, it's something that, uh, is very inspiring it's becoming, for me. It's becoming one for me too. No. Yeah. And I think you said it really well. Um, I forget where you'd said it, but maybe in the, one of the groups that we have with a friend, a, a chat we have in WhatsApp, but you had commented that. Even for you last year, it really it really saved the day to have that show. It gave me me and you something to do at your place because I just spent Christmas then with you. That's I was already at your place, so yeah, just spent Christmas with my sister here, and we listened. Yeah, it to- gives us a bit of a bit of tradition, a bit of structure, a bit of peace and light. You know, there's a lot of fun, interesting, wacky stuff on there that you don't hear anywhere else. And uh, the host is is such a pro by now. Yeah, it's 25 hours straight of of live Christmas music, but really obscure, alternative, kind of, yeah, like underground music. And it's a lot of, in, like, so much cool stuff on that show. And it just, it did help us get through the time um, and sort of made the holidays, gave something to the to the time. Cause well, I, it's just, I'm used to watching a Christmas Carol, the old one from, I think, 1950 or 51 or something, every Christmas Eve with my father. And it's a tradition. And uh, I was upset that I couldn't do that. And he, he, he wanted to know if I was still going to watch, but without him, I just didn't feel up to it. Yeah, it's a nice transition you have with, with uh, our father to watch it. So not watching it with him isn't, isn't quite the same. No. Um, but then the, so the extent of it is we did get to see our niece and nephew briefly outside on Boxing Day. Uh, we gave them a uh, couple gifts and hung outside in Carrie's garage for about a half hour with masks on. So that was... Christmas in my garage. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. But... It's, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, a lot of families sort of had to scale things down or change things up, but some families were still able to celebrate if they were lucky and they didn't have COVID and, you know, still recommended that you kept your gatherings as small as possible. And we all, we all have to play our part in this, I, I believe. And I think this, it was, it was tough, Carrie, because, you know, it, it's just, you're used to that. It's a tradition that we'd have our brother come down with his family and all 12 of us. Our group was, was always 12 people at this point for family, we never really celebrate altogether with any extended family anymore. No. So 12 people still, in my opinion, is a, is a pretty small group, all things considered, but, but yeah, just with everything going on and, and our niece's school testing. And then of course, with our mom testing positive, that definitely kind of put the, the kibosh to any other. Good word. Yeah. Trying to, trying to think of some more words, you know, sometimes I end up <laughs> resorting back to the same old words all the time, but, um, you need to get one of those word of the day 
things and it might improve your vocabulary or like you need to sleep with it on like osmosis. You might observe it if you listen at night when you're sleeping just to broaden your vocabulary. Yeah, I actually heard something on the CBC recently. They're talking about how many words are in the English language, but how little are the common vocabulary actually is of people like. Well, often when you use a word, if it's not when you don't often use or people know you and they say you never use that or they don't know it, it's like, like, <laughs> it seems out of, it doesn't seem natural. Yeah. So it, anytime we try to branch out and use different words, it's like, it's such an oddity. That's just it. So it's. So, so that was, yeah. I don't know. That was pretty much the extent of, uh, of our Christmas. I, um. Yeah, so I was pretty much staying um, isolated over New Year's Eve. And... Yeah, so then New Year's, not much else happened. I've been back home, back in London here for a couple weeks now. Came back actually a, a couple weeks ago, and I've just pretty much been in my apartment because, yeah, you know, not being able to go to the studio right now and playing it safe with, with my immune system and just with what everything's going on out there, I, you know, I've not, not really been seeing any other people at the moment, so. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we'll see how this uh, month pans out uh, in, in the wider world and here on Outlook, I guess. Yeah. Back to pre-records for the, for the time being. But we do have a bunch of exciting stuff coming up this year. We have a couple more books, Carrie. So we have a couple yeah. more uh, authors coming on the show to look forward to over the next few weeks. Um, so that's one thing to look forward to. We were brainstorming when I was back visiting you a whole bunch of names, people we want to have on throughout the year here. At that point, we thought maybe we'd, we'd be back in the studio, and who knows when we will be back. Um, but regardless, we'll, try, we'll make it work no matter what, and we'll adapt and we'll record from home if, if need be. Yeah. No, you got it. I mean, I, I was hearing about my friend's daughter this, this over the holiday, who's, I think she's seven, almost seven. She was doing cartwheels and handstands. And I was thinking, wow, you're, I remember being a kid and being that limber. I'm not that limber physically anymore, but I try to be flexible uh, in every other way I can, especially during these times. Yeah, it's just tricky, I find, for me, because, yeah, being, living by myself in my apartment and it being so cold out, like I think I woke up the other day and it said it was negative 12 but feels like negative 18 yeah I, I i struggle with motivation sometimes especially like getting out for walks and getting some air and i don't have a balcony or anything so it's it is hard because it's not it's, it's not good for mental health to be in all the time but it's also hard to find a reason to go anywhere right now with everything and well, i try to think of it as like i'm a bear hibernating but i'm not a bear so it doesn't <laughs> quite work <laughs> no not quite so so I don't know. Just gotta just gotta hang in there and hopefully. Well, maybe we're maybe we're like maybe we're like those the goldfish in our mom's pond growing up. Just sort of freeze there over the winter. Mm. <laughs> we're a bit we're a bit frozen at the moment. Yeah, we'll we'll thaw eventually. It's a it's a struggle that I I have to some degree always in a new year. It's like starting out in the beginning of January, which I think I, a lot of people can probably relate to. Just January being after the holidays, and you know that's what I was gonna say earlier. I guess it's just that we're so used to that tradition hanging out with all of our family. And now it's been two years that we haven't done it. So I did kind of come home after I think, and it, it did feel the first year it was kind of like, okay, yeah, whatever. And even this year, like I adapted, but it, I just think that also not being able to have that Christmas thing also sort of made it a little more depressing in January. Yeah. We didn't get to kind of see everyone over the break. So now it's like, Oh, the break's over now. And that was it. And now we're back to reality. And uh I'm actually looking at this website. I believe it's called Better Health. 
and uh, where you can get some counseling services online. And uh, I'm considering just finding someone else to talk to because I talk to you all the time. I talk to friends and family. But, you know, everybody has their own issues. And sometimes you feel like you're just piling on when they have other things. So it's probably good if I find someone else to speak with. Yeah. And I think at least another, if you want to call it, a, one positive thing that could come up from this pandemic is you're hearing more and more talk about mental health. And even so far, they, they haven't talked about it probably enough, you know, just because they're so focused on, on the science and all that stuff. But it's going to be talked about more and more, especially as we do start to come out of this or we're learning to live with it, essentially, because I've hear, been hearing a lot more talk about we're going to be living with this. You know, it's, you know, mm -hmm. maybe someday it'll totally go away, but it's not going to be for quite a while still. So it's that, mm -hmm. it's that balance of, of uh, getting used to it, but also dealing with mental health. So hopefully it's something that does get talked about more because, you know, if you listen to this show, you know that we talk about that uh, it a lot and how important mental health is and, and it's something that I feel very strongly about. So, Yeah, we had a guest on at the end of the year who actually she's got her album, her next album coming out at the end of this month, I believe, Heather Hutchison. And we talked about mental health uh, because we want to talk about it more and we want to keep talking about hard subjects, but important ones and try to bring some levity where we can. Yeah. Oh, great. Good, good mentioning the Heather Hutchison that, uh, yeah, we played her song, uh, one of her songs at the end of our wrap up show at the end of last year, but that was from her previous EP from 2015. So yeah, she does mm -hmm. have a new one coming out at the end of the month and we will have her on again sometime this year, probably to, uh, to promote that and talk about, maybe talk a little bit more about her music next time. Mm -hmm. We did touch on it the first time, but. Well, she just had her book out and holding on by letting go, which we talked about. And uh, I think she said this new album is almost like a, an audio soundtrack to the book, kind of like a. Yeah. You know, sort of. a Yeah. You go along with the. They go together. Supplemental. So pretty cool. Supplemental is the, the, the word. I couldn't, speaking of words, I couldn't think of the word. But for anyone who's just tuned in, you're listening to Outlook here today on Radio Western. Going to take a quick break now, but we will be back with more of today's program. Outlook. On Radio Western. Welcome back. Thanks for listening today. This is another mixed bag episode we are hosting where we just have a bunch of topics that we want to cover and for the first show of 2022, first show of the new year, figured we'd just do one with the, with the two of us, the uh, blind sibling duo. Right, Care? Right. So we have a big ideas for the year, but we want to sort of ease into it. Yes, we got to ease in. Just like the new year, I think everyone's maybe at that stage, and I know I am, is trying to get back into things, but try not to be too hard on myself because it's it's tough right now and we gotta we gotta have fun too we gotta balance out our uh, mm -hmm. our work with our uh, enjoyment gotta so. learn how to find calm and peace and tranquility and joy and yeah all those things and laughing is good it good is medicine yeah so we, this episode's been a little serious with topics but uh, we try to keep it as somewhat light as well so well yeah it's kind of it's supposed to be informational so we're talking about what's what's current sort of but yeah. Yeah. But I, so I did want to, <laughs> did want to talk about something else pretty cheery, right? Uh, some of the people we've lost recently, some of the famous people. Yeah. Uh, and we were going to start with Betty White. And uh, I know you're not that familiar. And somebody, I think, got offended when she was recently referred to as America's grandmother or something because she, <laughs> she wasn't necessarily about being a grandma. I think she had some stepchildren, maybe, but 
Uh, she she had lost her husband all the way back in I think the eighties. I heard people so had she, her referred to as a national tre- treasure. Yep, and she was. And I do believe that it's a sadder world now that she's not on the planet anymore. She did, uh, she cared about animals so much, which is why I'm going to bring her up particularly today. <laughs> but because we, we talk about guide dogs on the show, even though we don't, each of us have had one in our past, we don't currently have one, a guide dog, uh, either of us. So, uh, but I, I did find out when I learned some stuff about her after she died there, about her connection with guide dogs. But yeah, she was on the Golden Girls, obviously, and before that, Mary Tyler Moore, which I didn't well, know her for. for it's it's interesting because I'd obviously heard her name mentioned over the years and uh, i think in in some some hip-hop maybe buck 65 mentioned her in a couple <laughs> songs back in the day when i used to listen to him or i probably didn't oh, okay i just i never knew i think it's you come don't out watch on the tv and... well yeah i think it's come well it's not that i don't watch tv i've been watching uh i've actually been watching trailer park boys all weekend on netflix it's a comfort um... show for me because i watched it near the end of high school and and uh in my early 20s with my friends when they were all into it and um, so it's just been a nice comfort sort of show this weekend. Um, but anyway, they never mentioned they never mentioned her on there. No, I don't. I don't think so. Because she made quite a comeback. She was on a new sitcom ten years or so ago. And well, yeah, it's just as you commented, uh, I don't want to make it. I, I want to. I wouldn't say I don't watch TV because I do, but not that much. Not not to the point that you that you do. Um, and more so in my adult life, I've gotten a little bit more into it, but I've never been quite as big. But you with Betty White, weren't you more just familiar with her more recently? Were you, did you know her very well back in the day? No, I knew of the Golden Girls and I'd seen episodes, but I'm actually rewatching them all right now on Disney+. Plus. I, I started doing that before she passed away. Right, but then you, you started getting into her like fairly recently, I think. So within the last like well, year she, or two, you were talking about her a lot more. Well, it's because I found Golden Girls on there and right, so, I don't know. So you hadn't watched Golden Girls in the past though. My I'm just mainly I'd saying seen, you're more interested I'd, recently, right? I'd seen one or two here and there, but it was on in the 80s when I was a child. And yeah, I just, I watched some reruns in the last 10 or so years, but not really. But right. just, she was, she was on TV a lot again, and she was all over the place, even in her 80s and her 90s. And so, yeah, she was America's treasure and you saw her a lot. And she just had this grandma feel, the sound of her voice and from the era she grew up in, she just sort of kind of reminded me of our grandmother. Uh, not, um... She's got a bit of a reputation from her character on Golden Girls as being dumb, but I wouldn't say our grandmother. I'm just saying she had this naivete that, um, but also she was a woman in Hollywood in her real life. And she did a lot in the fifties when women weren't always on TV in those roles. Uh, so it was just, she was a trailblazing female. And then, as I said, she cared about animals. So she was just a, a cool lady, I think. Yeah. And again, I wish, I do wish I maybe knew a bit more about her. Um, obviously I knew that she was very, influential and um trailblazing and all that stuff but i just i don't i don't know a tons about about her but um yeah. i definitely heard the so, news and yeah so she died on new year's eve which what a perfect way to go out in her sleep i believe uh you know i think her last words were about her husband as i said who had been gone for decades and uh, so she died on new year's eve um she turns 100 on january 17th so i think there's going to be a big celebration yeah cuz i think there would have there would have already been one if she was still alive too, I would imagine. But yeah, she, she's so close to a hundred. But even still, that's that's a long life. I'm, you know, it's <laughs> sad when anyone passes away. But uh, if I if I make it to eighty, I'll be surprised. So that just sounds. Uh, yeah, but as I said, she worked so much with animals. She cared so much about them, and that included service uh, dogs and animals and guide dogs in particular. 
And so after she died, somebody released this old commercial she put out, and I just thought we should air it because it's quite funny. Taxi! Taxi! Are you free? What do you think, lady? Of course I am. Huh. You blind or something? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I am. Oh, sorry. That's all right. Whoa, no dogs in the cab. Well, this is Buddy. He's my seeing eye dog. No, no, no dogs in my cab. I make it a rule. I'm sorry. No dogs in the cab. I'm sorry you feel that way. For one thing, dogs uh, smell, you know. Not Buddy. He's immaculately groomed. He's cleaner than some cab drivers I've met. Hey, lady, what are you trying to say? Let me put it another way. It's against the law to deny a blind person with a seeing eye dog access to any public transportation. Public, uh... Especially taxi cabs. <laughs> Hiya, fella. <laughs> there you go. There you have it. A little bit of a P PSA there from Betty White. <laughs> uh, uh, playing a blind woman, I guess. And uh, she was a pretty, she was a brilliant actress. And uh, yeah, I guess yeah, that brought a, some aware, awareness to it. What a cool find. Where did you, where did you say you found that? Like where did oh. someone post it in a, was it related in a blindness type group somewhere or? Yeah. One, one of the people, one of my friends on Facebook who is blind must've found it somewhere. And uh, as, like I say, we don't currently have guide dogs, but we know a lot of people who do. A lot of people who went to get ones in the last year or so. So I think it just maybe came up on their radar and they shared it. And that's how I find a lot of good material. Yeah. Well, it is just interesting that, yeah, she, like she was such an acclaimed act actor and so well known and so famous. But yeah, that she did something like that. I had, would have had no idea. And I, I do think that is pretty, pretty neat. Um, like neat to hear. And also just the, Retro commercials, I always like hearing old commercials, but especially, yeah, when they touch on blindness and you think about from that time, I mean, they sort of, it sort of touches a little bit on, on the discrimination. Obviously, it sounds like he, uh, he gives in in the end. Yeah, I think she, I think she convinced him. She can um, be pretty convincing. But yeah, it shows that that still goes on today, this sort of discrimination where sometimes people are discriminated against in cabs with, with a dog. And unfortunately, well, and I was gonna, I was gonna say that it's just that. I'm sure it was an issue when you and I had guide dogs, but it really feels like lately it's gotten worse in some ways. Like everybody keeps yeah, reporting it's hard. that it's hard for us and... to to really give our full opinion because we don't have dogs. And when you're out of that world, it's you hear about it, but yeah, yeah it's not it's not quite the same. But yeah, I wonder what it was like like back in the '70s as far as that was concerned, if compared to today. But also at the beginning, just the what does the driver say? What are you blind or something? And just mm -hmm. the way that statement always comes across, it, it's I mean, so harsh. Sounding. I mean, she she comes back nice and confidently and is like, "Well, in fact, I am." And obviously, she's just an actor actress. We're talking there again. They didn't get a blind actress to to work in that commercial. No, because there's no famous blind actress. No one as big as Betty White. So when she became uh, willing to speak on their behalf, they took it, which I understand. But yeah, <laughs> what a find, huh? Yeah, that was a, that's and a I don't cool. know, I I don't know how true it is. So please write in if you've heard otherwise. But I, speaking about one of my friend, our friends again on Facebook who hears things, I did see some people sharing about how WalMarts now have started, maybe just in the U.S. I'm not sure, but Canada too, started selling vests for service animals. And I hope that's not true because you really should just have to go to the guide dog schools to get those. They should be specialized. It shouldn't be that easy to walk into a store and get one. There's just too much reports. Not the fact of vote getting denied in cabs, but also the fact that people. Well, that's 
that's, by wanting to bring their animals everywhere. So they're finding loopholes and finding ways to do it. Well, that's the problem that you were saying too. I think why there's more discrimination with guide dogs lately is because there are more people with service dogs. And of course, there's a lot of service dogs that are qualified and are allowed. But then there are also people out there more and more these days that seem to be kind of trying to just get bring a dog with them and just say they need them, but they're not actually qualified or they're not you know, provided by a, at a qualified school where they actually, they are technically allowed and that's just causing more confusion. And, and yeah, the more they sort of market that and make it more readily available just to buy. I don't even know when you say vests, quite what you mean. Like with our guide dogs, we had <laughs> harnesses, but. Well, I don't know. Different schools have different things and it's probably changed since we got them, but there are different vests and things that you hear about, but I don't know. And when they're in training, when they're the, you know, maybe a diabetes alert dog or other kinds of service animals. And of course, these days we want to talk more about mental health, but then there's the whole gray area of uh, support animals, emotional support animals. Are they, are they part of this or not? So it gets really muddy. Mm -hmm. But anyway, RIP Betty White, you will be missed. The animals will miss you for sure. We'll miss her. I should miss you too. Maybe I'll learn more about her one of these days. Yeah, well, sometimes, unfortunately, that's when we learn about people is when they die. Um, like, say, like Sidney Poitier, who just died the other day, and he was an actor that... Right, again, it's a name a, that I, I recognize. Yeah, you've heard of it. But I'm, mm -hmm. not, I'm not a movie buff. I'm not too big into film, so I couldn't quite think of where I would have ever seen him in a movie or anything, but... Well, that's the thing, is I haven't even seen him in many roles. I, I, I have a me vague memory of being at our... our our father's parents, uh, our Oma's house at the time, probably. And uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner was a movie. It was playing on the TV, and he was in that. But that wasn't his biggest role. That's one a lot of people remember him for. He was a black man in the 60s during the civil rights movement who really progressed things in Hollywood for himself and others. And he was the first black man to win a Best Actor Award, Oscar. And then another black man did not win that, that for another... 40 years. <laughs> so he, he progressed things a lot, but you could see there's still, there was a lot to do still and there's still a go. lot to do for diversity in Hollywood, just like anywhere else. And this show is overall about diversity in all areas. So I thought we should mention his name and maybe one of us should have a big film festival and see what he was all about because he had a lot of great roles. It sounds like in the heat of the night was another one. Whenever I hear that, I just think of the Brian Adams <laughs> song. But um, it sounds like it was quite the movie too. I'd like to check it out. And, uh, yeah, no, I should it. definitely look him up as well and learn a bit more. Mm -hmm. So that was another one. Yeah. Then there was have, then there <laughs> then there was um, Desmond Tutu, which I didn't know tons about him either. But he was a black man in South Africa during apartheid, and he was an activist and a spiritual and religious leader. Yeah, uh, but I he heard wasn't. I heard a bunch about him when I right when I came back home here after Christmas a couple of weeks ago when I got home he was being covered on the CBC um, and uh -huh. yeah I'd, I'd feel like I recognized the name but yeah I didn't know too much about him either um, but definitely yeah. sounded like a really uh, influential um, person well he just had that thing about what you kind of quote which you, which you um, sort of hinted at something like that in the first half of the show today about you know with this COVID stuff and people who won't get vaccinated and the difference of opinions he said he said things about how if we want peace, we have to talk to people we don't agree with. And uh, he also said uh, something about how if heaven is homophobic, he would rather go to hell. 
because and see that wasn't something you heard from a lot of Christian right, leaders that's just and a it. lot of he was, religious leaders. Right. Yeah. So definitely a outspoken but very uh, influential uh human in history here now and yeah. And a little closer to home, we lost someone just the other day I was not expecting. I, I wasn't surprised about Betty White. Uh, I wasn't surprised about City Poitier. They were both in their 90s. But this one, hot, uh, this one hit me a little harder. Uh, his name was Cody Chasen, and he was in the band The East Pointers uh, from PEI. You and I went to see them perform with your friend Matt. So I, I appreciate that Matt introduced me to them. I, I do like that whole East Coast vibe, fiddles and everything. And they, he played the banjo and different things. And and so he was one of three members in that band. That was the and one we Dr- saw at Aeolian Hall, right? When we were sitting at the table, the little table. Yeah. Yes. Because I know we saw a couple shows uh, over a couple years here more recently with, with my friend Matt. And they've been in fiddle shows that involve fiddle slash violin. So you know how interested you are in violin and stuff like that. So we went to those shows. And um, yeah, that was at the Aeolian Hall here in London uh, a couple years ago. And it definitely put on a good mm. show, um, I remember. Yeah, it was a toe-tapping type show. Uh, But then when the pandemic started, I was following them on Facebook by that point. And uh, then I noticed that they were going to start doing live Facebook live readings of Anne of Green Gables because, as I said, they were from PEI and so was the author Lucy Maud Montgomery. So they thought, let's do something to help everybody get through this lockdown back in 2020. And uh, so every night for a while, anyway, they were reading... So one of the three band members would read. They were all in different places because they were all spread out in different parts i think cody was in australia because his wife's australian and so i got to hear some of the uh, interesting birds in the background when he was there until he could manage to get back to canada and they were getting back to things a little bit touring a little bit here and so i was not expecting it he was my age and it's just again it's hard to handle uh, but we have wintergreen is my favorite song go check out the band the east pointers if you like any of that kind of music so r.i.p cody yeah, like you say, of course, all these people sad to lose anyone, but when, you know, Betty White being 99, like that's that's a full life, but 37 is just way too mm-hmm. young for, for anything, so it is sad. Yeah. It seems sometimes, like these times a year, I mean, there's death, so obviously in the older we get, we hear about more and more, but it seems like kind of around Christmas time and New Year's, you often do hear about quite a few, and I don't know if it's the time of year can something about all the stuff that goes on in these times and everyone's kind of supposed to be happy with this marketing of the holidays and Christmas and being two years into the pandemic, like you mentioned, there was no cause of death. I don't think mentioned for the yeah, member of the East I've Pointers, seen. but it's just, I think like last Christmas is when I found out that MF Doom had, had passed away, the rapper. Um, there were a couple other musicians around Christmas time and in the new year that I've heard in the past. So I don't know. It's... Mm. It just seems to be that time of year that you notice that a lot, I find, but we'll get through it. It's good to have outlook to focus on as one of the things in this new year that uh, we want to keep going and and then sort of grow even more if we can. Yeah. But I think I think you want to end the show talking about Braille. Yeah, we have about ten minutes left, so I guess All we'll right. we'll talk about one of our favorite things here on Outlook, yeah. which is Braille. I have I have I have it under my fingers right now. Yeah, same here. I have my iPhone with my Focus 40 Braille display, which is a Bluetooth device that connects to my phone through Bluetooth, of course. And it's uh, really good at 
giving sizes over the air. Is it about 12 inches long, maybe? It's, 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 a, it's not too yeah. big, but it's... it's it- it's it's got forty cells, which are the cells that uh, six dots that Braille's made up of. If you've seen Braille before, and so it's got forty of those, I guess. Right. And so, so. it's it's the nice length of your lap. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> much just the, yeah. It's sitting in my it lap right now, lap. and um, just yeah. for our listeners who uh, may not have any idea where the Braille display is, or you can Google it, look up Focus Forty Braille display, and mm-hmm. you can you can find well, it I believe, online. But I believe one of the Braille literacy type events that we're going to announce coming up here for the rest of the month. I think the one on the libraries on Thursday, I think. I think they're going to do a demonstration of one of them. Yeah, so as I mentioned in the first half of the show here today on Outlook, um, January is Braille Literacy Month. And specifically, January the 4th is World Braille Day. Also, Louis Braille's birthday, the inventor of Braille. So yeah, there was some uh, some really great events put on here in January to celebrate, um, put on by a bunch of organizations, um, including, we always talk about how there's so many different organizations out there with so many names, but this <laughs> was put on through uh, Braille Literacy Canada, who we've had uh, on our show pretty much a year ago now. We had both Natalie and Jen from Braille Literacy Canada, and they actually both spoke on the panel at the event we were at yesterday, so... Cool to see Braille Literacy Canada involved, which would make sense, obviously. They're called Braille Literacy Canada. They're spearheading it all. You should hope they're involved. We also have the Canadian Council of the Blind involved, the CNIB Foundation, the Centre for Equitable Library Access, which is CELA, and the National Network for Equitable Library Service, and NELS. We've had someone on from NELS on this show, and we talk a lot about them integrating materials into the public libraries here in Canada to make things accessible for everyone. And, and was also, born, born, born accessible books with publishers. Right, yeah, they're doing a lot of work with, with publishers to make sure books are born accessible. Um, and, and the final uh, organization that, that put this on is the Provincial Resource Center for the Visually Impaired, PRCVI. And that one I didn't quite even know what it was, but it is based out of uh, British Columbia, so it's not an Ontario one. Um, yeah, we'd, we'd heard of the other ones for sure, but not that one. Yeah, but they look like a really Im- important organization helping with um, equi- equity in, uh, in uh, integrating students into schools for visually impaired and uh, other disabilities. So they sound like a really great organization as well. But, um, you know, all these, all these sessions are for Braille readers, library staff, educators. They're all taking place over Zoom, of course. And, but even uh, somebody who's just anybody who's curious about yeah, Braille. Of course, yeah. Any, Anyone interested, if you're listening to this show, you're, you're also um, welcome to join any of these events. They're free, and um, they include question and answer periods at the end of the, of the sessions. And they're also all be, being recorded, so if you can't make them on the actual dates, you can still register, and you'll get an email when they're all done. Plus, I think they will be available on the... Would be the Braille Literacy Canada website or the Nell's website? I think I on B- I think BLC's YouTube channel. I think oh, she said. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. on BLC's YouTube. Um, but if you want to find out more about these events, you can find them on the Nell's website. So that's n n e l s dot c a slash world dash Braille dash day. So that's Nell's dot c a slash world Braille day. But if you also just look up Braille Literacy Canada special events. You'll, you'll find it. Or if you just go to the mm-hmm. NELS, nnels.ca, you'll find it. Um, but we went to the first one yesterday, Carrie, both of us. 
And it was called Looking Through the Crystal Ball, Innovations in Braille (laughs) Technology for the 21st Century and Beyond. A lot of it was looking back at the past. They started asking the panel about their their memories of, of old devices that maybe they had in their childhoods that maybe aren't around anymore. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, it was interesting. They did kind of go back into the past and they they did look into the future kind of too, is what would you like to see going forward and differences in, in yep. Braille displays and all this stuff. Um, but the panel was, oh. it was, I thought it was really good. It was pretty, pretty chilled out and just kind of like laid back discussion, but they'd ask the questions and they'd go around the panel. Sometimes they would ask all of the panelists or sometimes just a couple, but um, so they had Natalie Martiniello and she's the president of uh, BLC. And then they also had Jen Golden, who's past president. Kim Kilpatrick, who is actually the uh, secretary for Braille Literacy Canada, also works with the Canadian Council of the Blind, getting together technology program, all sorts of stuff. She even has a radio show, Carrie, in Ottawa. Yeah, we've, we've, thought, we've thought about reaching out and yeah, getting her on. Yeah, one of these days we should have her on. Her show's called Welcome to My World, which is another oh, show yeah. um, about disabilities. So should definitely have her on one of these days, but a, a really great panel. Um, and as you commented, Carrie, very well balanced as far as age as I thought. They had, um, you know, Natalie, who I think is a bit younger, and Jen maybe a little bit older, and then Kim Kilpatrick is quite a bit older than that. And then um, they also had someone named Debbie Gillespie, who was actually the national coordinator Braille liter- or Braille promotion at CNIB, although I believe she's now retired. Um, so yeah, really great range. And then they even had a college student on, on the panel, which I thought was great. Yeah, I believe a college student, a student studying, student, student studying kinesiology. And so in the STEM fields, which we talk about that we need to get more attention on that for blind people, because there are blind people who want to be scientists and everything and uh, just making things more accessible materials and, you know, but yeah, it was great to get, you know, that age range, somebody who's in university now and someone who uh, has been around for 40 years and seen everything change. And uh, they got to check, check on all these different technologies they used to have and what they have now and what they hope to have in the future. So, Yeah. Um, a couple of points from it I just wanted to mention that stuck out for me were just a couple of suggestions about going forward. One, one big one that people kept mentioning was incorporating more Braille into mainstream places so having it more available at readily available just in more places and sort of making it more mainstream so that it's people see it more and it's just in in the in the general public more that's why i advocate for like i say anytime i hear of like uno has braille on now or braille you know anytime i see braille anywhere it's just i think we need more of that because it'll become more normalized if everybody sees it all over the place exactly and then they they also talked a lot about tactile graphics which I still don't know mm. a ton about. There are some new Braille displays that are multi-line. The Braille displays that we use only have one line, but there are displays now that have more than one line, but they're super expensive, which is sort of a, an issue with Braille displays in general still, that they're a little too expensive for a lot of people. Um, well, it's how technology was in the past with other things, right? Like printers used to be, we used to have a, a printer called a VersaPoint that was a Braille printer, and it was such a huge, heavy-duty thing. And They've made those more slender and more, I'm sure, portable. And so everything, all the Braille devices we use, um, but not always necessarily, I guess. The one we had in the 90s was pretty portable. Uh, but, right, but, yeah. but it's, it's, they might make them more portable, but they're still, a lot of them are still at least 
three grand or more. Like they're not. Well, I know. And they were saying that the one is almost is up to 15,000. Yeah. The, the multi-line displays. Cause those are, you know, Oof. like 40 lines or maybe not 40. I forget how many lines are on them, but yeah, it's just, it's this whole idea. And I haven't seen t- too many tactile graphics where you can, you know, when I went to school, they teachers were great at, at making graphs for me and stuff like that. But back then it wasn't on a braille display. It was just on paper. So. Well, back then I had a I had a lot of what they called again supplemental books with my textbooks, so that there was a separate book that had all the diagrams, and they were all labeled in Braille and and tactile, like we said, with different textures. And but again, if you if you've never seen like you, um, you don't know you don't have memory of what certain things look like. Whereas I used to be able to see a lot more as a child. So but I, I do find I, it, I don't know if that helps. I do find it interesting though that I they talked a lot about tactile graphics also tying in with with maps and and though I was born blind I was still pretty good tactily with with maps yeah. and stuff oh, no. where some you were good some tactily. people some some people who are born blind do struggle more with with tactile stuff and again I think it's also just you know certain sighted people are, are visual learners and some aren't so it's it's the same with blind I, people I think where it is it's definitely the same thing there are so many different kinds of learning styles and some people love reading and some people love math and some people are just not a reader or a math person but like we say, like, I think something like a map, which was based on a road, uh, which is something you were able to walk on. I think maybe you could translate in that in your own mind, but certain images, well, which it's also maybe you've never seen, then maybe. It well, it's there. also the fact, I think, and someone mentioned this on the, on the call yesterday, which I think is a really good tip, is for learning tactile graphics and being able to read things tactily, starting with an area you know, like your, your home or yep. your house. And making that, and that's what our mom did when, when I was young. She yep. made a map of my room at one point, I think I had at some point, and then our backyard. And, and you just, you do those areas that are so familiar from such a young age, and then it sticks. Um, whereas yep. if, if you're and that's, not- That's the thing. If you had a good educator who did that, if you had a parent who did that, then you're, you were you know, way out of the game. All right. But we are getting, we're pretty much over time now, so we can talk a little oh. bit more, but we should probably wrap this up pretty soon all right i'd say um there's just a couple more points that i thought were were interesting um the one about someone someone commented that they want one thing for the future would be to have braille displays that are more durable and i totally agree with that oh Um, yeah who who doesn't want to go to the on a a beach vacation and read a book yeah but also as far as well that's what they were talking about yeah like getting sand in it or something having one that doesn't have all the holes but also just for regular use like i find I talked on this show before, but when I dropped mine in the studio and it breaks right away, it'd be yep. nice to have one that's more durable where you can drop it and it's not, doesn't have so many pins that it's so, so fragile to where you have to take it in and, yep. and get it fixed. Cause it seems to be a common thing with most blind people that they have to send their display in for repairs quite frequently. And, and that's what I'm hoping with the new technology that will be coming out and, you know, I have a, my wish would be, as someone also mentioned on the panel is for these tablets a tablet like any other, but have some sort of way of putting, you know, maybe a casing over it that was a, that can, with new technology for the braille dots that can pop up and up and down better than these pins that we currently have that are so fragile. Yeah. So, and then just the one other thing I thought was interesting thinking back on these old devices and this definitely came up was the, this old braille, this old device called the braille and speak, which you and I used to have. It's pretty much for our listeners. It's pretty small, even smaller than this braille display I have now. Um, but it had a whole, it was, it was was more of a square than a, than a long, right. Long shape. Well, it didn't have braille on it, but it talked. Um, and it was pretty much like a mini, essentially like a mini computer. Like it had its own file system in it. Whereas this display that I have now 
it doesn't work unless I connect it to my computer or my phone, which obviously back right. then we didn't have phones and, and computers weren't really as accessible with Braille displays or at least not as common. Um, but the, the Braille and Speaks were, yeah, they were the six dots of the Braille with the, the Braille cell with the space bar and you would just, you would write and it would, you could put in a headphone or not and you would hear it talk. Right. But yeah, keys. you couldn't. There was no dots you couldn't, on it. Well, sorry, representing the dots of Braille, but you couldn't feel the Braille. You just, if you yeah. knew how to write, write in Braille, you could write with it. So we used that all through school. Someone was just commenting how they, they were very durable. Like you could just throw them in your bag and they, they turned on it instantly. <laughs> it wasn't like a computer where you had to wait for it to boot up. Like it was just, it was such a sort of a simple product yet powerful for its time. And Oh yeah, uh, I, uh, I miss it. I miss it. Looking back on it is kind of funny, but. And it was also, I was also interested to learn that it was, I think, officially released in 1987, the year of my birth. So I just thought that was uh, interesting. But we heard a few about a few things we hadn't known, which uh, I guess a Versa Braille, which is, it just made me think of Versa Point, the printer, as I mentioned, our, the Braille printer. We I had imagine that's where the they day. got the name Versa from. But I this, guess. They say the, the Versa Braille was like the first official, maybe mainstream Braille display, um, mm -hmm. which I'd never seen, but... Um, and then the other one that was mentioned was a paperless slate and stylus, which I don't know if most of our listeners have seen a slate and stylus. That was how you brailled before there were technologies of today. And uh, you and I aren't very proficient on those because we don't use them much anymore. But I would like to see a paperless slate and stylus. Yeah, so there you go. There are a few more sessions coming up. I'll quick mention here before we wrap up. So coming up this Thursday, January the 13th, the session is Building Braille Inclusion in Libraries. So that's something we talk about a lot on this show. And uh, definitely an interesting session that I would like to check out. That's coming up this Thursday at 1 p.m. Go to nnels.ca to, to find out oh, yeah. details uh, and to register. I was saying over the break, I saw on Facebook Live, uh, the St. Mary's Library nearby Woodstock here had a, a session on World Braille Day about Braille. It was like, a, I guess, one of those games that you spin the wheel and they, she asks questions. And uh, I was trying to type in the comments, but I'm like, yeah, I shouldn't play this. I already know a lot of the answers, but I felt pressured and I actually got one of the answers wrong anyways. <laughs> it was just nice to see yeah, that libraries are doing that. I, trying to get... I should pitch that for our lo my local library. Yeah, and here in London too, if anyone's listening or you know, ever want to reach out, Outlook on Radio Western at gmail.com. You know, it's something that, it's that's all about getting Braille more in the mainstream and and um, and having it in libraries so it's just accessible for everyone, even people who aren't blind, just to see it, you know, just to know that it's out there. Um, yeah, that's how we become more diverse. There's another one coming up on the following Thursday called "Tools for Your Toolbox: Braille Resources for French Speakers of All Ages," and that one is going to be delivered in French on January twentieth. And then the final one of the month is Refreshing and Rethinking Braille Awareness. Presentations with a focus on equity and accessibility. So that'll be on January the 27th, the final Thursday of this month, also at 1 p.m. Eastern. And you can register for all these at nnels.ca, and we'll also make sure to talk about them on uh, future shows. Yeah. All right, Kara, I think that uh, just about covers it. Yeah, well, that wraps up our... Our mixed bag, first one of 2022. Thanks for listening and hope students, hope you're all doing all right out there, holding, holding on. Yeah. You know. Take care out there and let's just all work through this together and we'll, we'll get, we'll get through it. We'll get to the other side. So try and stay positive and, and we'll, we'll see you next time.
send us an email. Outlook on RadioWestern at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB. And on Facebook, facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.